0: right then welcome to episode four of wrestler's court i'm gonna start off by apologizing if the audio isn't great as i'm recording from home today so if you can hear birds and whatnot chirping in the background just assume that i live on some sort of tropical island and not where i actually live oh there's some noise there but needs must as i'm off this week um for a few different reasons so Anyway, none of this is important to you guys, so let's talk wrestling. And there has been a lot going on this week and lots to talk about. I'm going to see how much I can get through today. I'm going to start kind of with the biggest wrestler in the world today. Whether you like it or not, there's there's no argument. He is the greatest. He is the number one. And that is our Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns. If I was recording this, you'd be able to see that my finger is firmly pointed to the sky to acknowledge him because he is the greatest, whether you like it or not. So if you haven't watched this week's SmackDown already, then probably skip over this bit because I'm about to talk about it. So that was SmackDown on the 2nd of June, 2023. The Bloodline is just the the best storyline going in wrestling at the moment. And I don't think anything else in WWE, anything in AEW or New Japan or Ring of Honor, which I'm gonna talk about later, really comes close to it. It's just been brilliant. It was kind of, it quietened down a little bit after Mania and then has picked up beautifully again. Now, I think what it's doing is it's really justifying the decision to put Roman over at Mania, over Cody. I think there's still some people who are a bit butt-hurt about that decision, but I don't think it has done anything negatively when it comes to Cody. If anything, he's even a bigger star now. The, the cheers he's getting are crazy. It put him in a program with Brock Lesnar, which is always a big deal. And to be honest, I'm really enjoying that program, so that certainly hasn't done him anything anything bad and um, suddenly no negative effect there and i think in the long run they're still gonna put the world title on him there's no rush for it i, I like this whole hard times that he's going through kind of throwback back to his dad so that's all worked out well and honestly like i say the, the bloodline storyline it's just been tremendous I, I remember after mania at the press conference and roman said like look we're not giving you a short story here this is a a long thought out Built storyline and it's perfect. Like, I, I don't think there's anything that I would change or adjust to it. I was interested to see how it would go once they lose Sami Zayn from that whole storyline. Having said that, I do hope Sami's done with them now. I, I don't want to see the bloodline with Sami anymore. Let's get Sami and Kevin over to Raw like they're supposed to do or supposed to be, even and let them crack on. There's enough going on within the bloodline and within smackdown that they don't need that anymore and i do feel that if they keep pushing that it'll start getting a little stale going into night of champions i actually wasn't super invested in that match just because we've seen it so many times now so yeah hopefully that's done i think they've they've got everything you can out of that storyline but roman versus the usos is tremendous i'm loving the fact that this time it is jimmy kind of taking the lead obviously at the start of the bloodline we had the story with Jay versus Roman. They had that really, really good Hell in the Cell match, and Jay kind of got to show that, you know what, he can be a solo star as well as a tremendous tag team uh, wrestler. I do think that Usos are one of the best tag teams in the world at the moment. There's, there's a couple. I, I think probably FTR are still the best working tag team in the world at the moment, but certainly when it comes to WWE, I think the Usos are right up there. But it was nice to see Jay get a bit of a solo run. He, he looked strong during those matches. He didn't look out of place. I like the fact that now it seems to be Jimmy who they're giving the shot to. I've always kind of looked as, at Jimmy as the kind of second Uso, which is pretty harsh because they're both good. But I've always felt that Jay was a little stronger in the ring, a little stronger on the microphone, and a little bit more believable. Whereas now they're going to kind of give Jimmy that shot and so far he's absolutely killing it I loved his turn at Knight of Champions it was perfect I, I like the the dynamic between him and Jay as well as Jay kind of doesn't want to go this way and he's scared and he's worried I think Jay's doing a really good job and Jimmy's just doing doing great. He, he's looking strong. I, I think a big thing was they had to make sure that he, he did look strong as well because otherwise Roman will just steamroller him. Having him in the ring last night, kind of pie-facing Roman, um shows that he's not afraid, that he's going to push him. I loved it. And then Solo, I mean, credit where it's due. I, I thought he was called up way too early. I, I wasn't really sold on Solo when it came to his run in NXT. I, th- I thought he was all right, but I wasn't... I certainly didn't think he was anywhere near ready for the bloodline and the call up I like I say I thought was too early and I didn't really enjoy it at the start but credit where it's due that guy's clearly working his ass off he's learning a lot from his brothers from Roman from Paul Heyman I think his match quality started to really improve I thought at night of champions he looked like he belonged there he wasn't just kind of in there throwing punches for the sake of punches and kind of being a bit robotic, which I think he sometimes is. So that side of things is coming on. Promo-wise, I don't think he's ever going to be the best promo in the world, and he probably doesn't need to be, especially not for the character they're currently portraying. But he adds a a really, really interesting dynamic to this whole storyline. I like the fact that he's stuck with Roman at the moment, and he hits Jimmy with the... uh, well, I don't remember what that move's called, but the, the thumbs of the throat, which always looks pretty brutal, lays Jimmy out. I, I did think that Jay was potentially gonna try and then attack Solo and then get wiped out more. But again, I, I like that that kind of slow burning this and it left with just Roman and Solo getting out the ring and leaving. I like, one thing I think Roman is really underrated for is his off the microphone verbal ability. He He's able to speak loud and clear enough that even though he's not on the microphone certain things get picked up and when he was leaving the ring and he's talking to solo and he's talking to paul and he's talking about how jay will fall in line because he always does didn't need to be on the microphone It makes it feel that a little bit more real like he's just having a conversation and the cameras are kind of picking it up quick drink of coffee um yeah so i think it's perfect I, i don't think there's anything i would actually change i assume what we are heading into is the Usos versus Roman and Solo at SummerSlam unless they're going to do Roman versus Jimmy for the title at SummerSlam I don't think they'll go that way I I think that's a, a hard sell as much as they can make Jimmy look strong between now and then I'm not really sure they can make him as a viable contender for the world title and realistically I don't think that's who Roman's going to drop the title to so it's then going to be hard to make that match interesting when you kind of know Roman's definitely going over. I think what they'll probably try and do is build the dynamic up of is Solo going to turn and stick with his brothers, which I do think they might do. If, if this whole storyline's all about the implosion of the bloodline, what they should do is build this match up to SummerSlam. It'll be a main event. I think it has to be. Again, like I said on the previous podcast, anything Roman's in should be main event, even if there's other world titles on the line. I, Roman's the biggest... Wrestler in the world, everyone knows who he is. The storyline is some of the best work that WWE has ever done, and I don't say that lightly. Just a quick side note the video package for Roman Reigns last night, as well, just shows yet again that when it comes to video packages specifically, WWE are so far ahead of any other wrestling organization, and I mean, it's not even close. You can prefer. AEW, you can prefer New Japan, Ring of Honor, whatever you want. Impact, that's fine in terms of an overall product. It can't be denied when it comes to video packages. WWE have that nailed. Doesn't matter the story they're even telling. They just know how to draw you in. I thought it was brilliant. But again, going back to what I was talking about, I I believe you, you build this match up with the assumption being that Roman and Solo will probably win, because Roman Reigns very, very rarely loses. And they have the two options here. You either have the option one, which is Roman does beat the Usos, which the problem with that is, I'm not sure where that goes. I think the only way you can really make it more interesting is if Roman and Solo win, whoever Roman defends his title against next, the Usos side with, and potentially cost him the title, or you try and build it out, through to Mania, and then Roman versus whoever it's going to be. Let's just say Cody Rhodes for the sake of it. And then you have Usos get involved, but this time they cost Roman the title. That could be a big thing. My opinion, what they should do, if the whole storyline's been built around Roman losing control and the bloodline falling apart, is you do Roman and Solo versus the Usos. That match will be great, but then towards the end, you have Solo being really conflicted, And not sure where he's supposed to go here, whether he sticks up for Roman or his brothers. I believe what we do is you get Solo to turn on Roman and Roman to eat the pin. It's been a long, long, long time since Roman has been pinned. They talk about it all the time. I believe Baron Corbin was the last person to pin Roman Reigns, and that tells you all you need to know, given the last few years of Baron Corbin's booking. So that's a big statement to see Roman flat on his back one two three it's been a very 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 long time since that happened that then builds a storyline of romans by himself or well he's with paul heyman and that's it does he bring more people in from the bloodline does he just go it alone you then have the match of roman versus solo which i think Solo's is getting to a point he can make that a decent match roman has to go over that match don't get me wrong but it builds that up i believe the storyline can even be that Solo wasn't just doing that for his brothers, but he was doing that for the Bloodline in terms of Afa and Sika and the rest of the family. When they said, originally with Solo coming in, they said he was sent in to help the Bloodline. They never said specifically that meant Roman Reigns. It's going to be interesting. Um, What I like about it is I don't really have a dead set idea as to where this is going, and they've done that beautifully over the last couple of years. They've always kept us guessing, whether you are someone who watches wrestling every week someone like myself who's watched wrestling for the past 25 26 years whether you are Dave Meltzer or Brian Alvarez I'll just name check them for a second like they don't know what's going on doesn't matter how long you've been in the business they keep keeping us on our toes which I love and yeah I mean I'm not gonna wax lyrical too much more about the bloodline but it's by far the best thing in wrestling at the moment I don't think anything else comes close I'm really excited to see where it goes. and I'm Originally, my one issue with Roman going over at Mania was I wasn't sure how they get another year out of Roman being the champion. I see that now. I, I really do see that. I, I, I can see that going all the way through to Mania. On a side note, the new belt I really like as well. It fits in well with Seth's new belt. They look similar but different, which is exactly what we need. It looks like the belt of a champion. so looks really strong. I like the belt too. Everything about the bloodline is a big thumbs up from me and one last finger to the sky just to acknowledge him one final time. So, talking of champions and talking about the belt, let's go on to Seth Rollins, who is the new World Heavyweight Champion. What I like about this is there's been a lot of talk online in the IWC whinging on that Seth is now doing Captain America and the whole point of Seth winning was supposed to be that he'll be a fighting champion And is he going to be away a bunch of the time? And just people whinging for the sake of whinging. What what I like is Seth's kind of clearly heard that and and, and seen people talking and decided to take the matter into his own hands. He's issued an open challenge. I believe he's the first one since 2021. who's going to defend his title on Raw. And that was Big E. So he's put out an open challenge. Damien Priest has answered it. And I love everything about that match. I think Damien Priest absolutely deserves it. If I'm not mistaken, it will be his first chance going for a world title match. My ass- assumption is this is him getting a bit of a reward for his work with Bad Bunny, which he fully deserves. That match was great. Coffee drink again. We'll keep that in. I'm. I'm it's it's early today. I'm recording this early. I'm tired, so I'm just gonna I'm not even gonna edit that coffee drink out. We'll just keep it in. But yeah, I, I think priest deserves a shot at the title don't get me wrong there's no chance he's going over The, the only chance of him going over here is if seth was legitimately hurt in the match against aj which he was selling his knee quite a lot but i think he's probably all right i would be astounded if they were going to take the belt off him straight away like i say the only reason i could see that happening is he's either injured or his actual schedule is going to be messed up recently And don't get me wrong, if they've pushed this world title on him, told him, you know what, you deserve it, you've whinged about it quite a bit, and he he has been the workhorse of the division, you you can't deny it, he does deserve it, they then finally put the belt on him and he says he's going to be away for a long time, or he's going to be very intermittent how often he can be on the show because of his filming schedule. Then yeah, take the belt off him, I I think it would be totally justified, I'm sure some people will complain, but the whole point of Seth is he's supposed to be the opposite of what Roman is, Roman hardly ever defends his title. He comes and goes as he pleases, whereas Seth's going to be the fighting champion. So again, I'm just speculating. I I don't think Damian's going to go over. My assumption being that Seth will make this work. He, He deserves the shot. He's finally got to where he wants to be, and he wants to make that title mean something because there is still a portion of the general public who will see this as kind of a secondary belt to Roman. So the more he defends it, the better matches he has, the more he's able to build feuds, it's gonna make that feel more legit. Hopefully, in the future, we actually get to see Seth versus Roman again, maybe at Survivor Series. My only caveat to that is, if they do it, the match has to end in a no contest or a draw or something. I don't want to see Roman go over clean like he did against Big E, because I wasn't a huge fan of Big E's run anyway. But that just killed him as champion for me. As soon as he eats a pin clean, that's the match. That that's his run as champion done, and not long after that. He got Brock Lesnar anyway. So yeah. Seth versus Priest I think is a really good match. Priest has been really really good. Within the judgement day. I felt quite sorry for him at Wrestlemania. As he was the only one who didn't really get a Wrestlemania moment. But he certainly got a big moment instead. In Puerto Rico. Um, which was an unbelievable match. He obviously loved it as well. And he, he, he definitely deserves a showcase match. To show what he can do. The size that he is compared to seth as well makes the match more interesting because he can throw seth around a little bit he's definitely got the size and strength advantage obviously seth has the speed and the experience advantage so give them a good 20 minutes what i would like to see is no interference from the judgment day i think i'm probably being unrealistic when i say this that i i, I hope they stay out I, I think there probably will be involvement from finn and or Rhea and dominic but i would like to see just damien versus seth get damien talking to them in the back before the match saying look this is for me i've got to do it by myself give me my chance then fine he loses it doesn't matter as long as he comes across and looks strong i think that if there's too much involvement from the judgment day it kind of takes away from the match and takes away from damien priest himself him losing to Seth one two three doesn't really make him look weak. It's Seth, the world champion. It's his first world title match. As long as the match is competitive and they give them some time to shine, I am all for it. All for it, indeed. Right. Next up is a bit of a two-parter that I want to talk about, and it's predominantly just about Ilya Dragunov, who is a fucking psychopath. That man, that guy, is nuts. Absolutely crazy. I love him, don't get me wrong. I, I I can't think of a bad match he's been in. Longevity-wise, I'm not sure how long his career is going to be because he fucking kills himself every time he's in the ring. But, boy, that guy can wrestle. His match against Dijak at NXT, honestly, if you've not watched it and you're a fan of hard-hitting wrestling, watch that match. They beat the living hell out of each other. I thought they both came across really, really well. There has been talk of both of them getting called up to the main roster. I fear for Dijak a little bit that he'll get stuck again like he was last time. I, I think he needs some wins in NXT. um, And to, to build him up a little bit more, I, I would give him at least six more months on NXT. I wouldn't call him up just yet. Ilya, on the other hand, I would call up because, especially for any of the mid-card titles at the moment, like him against Gunter, we've seen it before. We've seen it when he, Gunter was Walter. Those two matches are two of the best matches in the last 10 years. Whether you want to agree with that or not, like go back and watch them if you haven't watched them. Those two matches are so hard-hitting. They are so brutal. I, honestly, again, if you haven't watched them, go back and watch them. They just beat the living hell out of each other. It was NXT and NXT UK when it was kind of at its peak. So go back and give them a watch. So Ilya versus Gunder is a match that I love and I would absolutely watch again on the main card as long as they build it right. If he goes to SmackDown, Ilya versus Austin Theory is a sick match. I think Austin Theory is very, very underrated. If he goes over on Ilya, I th- it helps bring his legitimacy up as champion. I-, I do believe he's been champion for around 200 days now and people don't really still look at him or give him the respect he deserves as champion. He's done a great job. I- I've-, I've quite enjoyed his run. Um. But at the same time, he needs more legitimate contenders to beat him versus Ilya would be great. But I'm going to focus on Gunter just for some of the things people have been talking about online. Coffee again. One thing I really don't want to see is there's been talk of Imperium adding another member, which I'm all for. I'm actually all for another member of Imperium, make that stable look stronger. Again, add someone else, maybe a bit similar to where you have the bloodline, where you've got roman and the usos plus an enforcer so bring someone in to be the enforcer for imperium not needed as much because obviously gun does kind of his own enforcer but i do like the idea what i hate is the idea of the enforcer or the new member of imperium being Ilya. it just doesn't make any sense a big issue when vince was in charge was he would call people up from nxt and hope that you just didn't know any of their nxt run existed or what went on and he would kind of just write it from history like it wasn't a thing. My hope is Triple H isn't going to do that, because if you bring Ilya up to the main roster, the last thing you can do is pair him with Gunther, because their rivalry was insane. He was the guy who beat Walter. Not only did he beat Walter, he tapped him out. He choked him. He took his world title off him. You can't then have him joining Imperium and being Gunther's lackey. It just, from a... It just doesn't make any sense. Like, wh- Why would Ilya go from beating Walter to then doing his bidding for him and being in a team where Walter runs it? Surely Ilya will think, fuck, I've beat you before. I, t- I tapped you out, pal. I know they one and one but look, I tapped you out. I should be running this team. My worry is what they do is they put Ilya on the team. He kind of does his job for a bit, and then he turns on Gunter, and then we have the IC title match from there. I think that's kind of lazy booking if that's the way they're going to go around it. Because, again, from a psychology standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. It makes Gunter look a bit dumb. Because why would Gunter also assume that, hey, look, there's that guy that choked me out and took my world title. He wants to be friends with me now, so we're going to... He's going to do my bidding for me, so he'll just join the team and he will fall in line. And then Ilya goes ahead and takes Intercontinental title. I think that that just makes Gunter look weak. And the big thing that WWE have done well is make gunter look unbelievably strong he's brought so much legitimacy to the intercontinental title he's going to need to drop it at some point and i actually don't hate him dropping it to Ilya because of the entwined storyline that you've got what i don't like is the idea of him joining imperium to then turn on gunter again you've got to make these people make it believable for me I i, I can't forget what happened in nxt don't treat me like i'm stupid like I appreciate there's going to be a portion of the general public who've never watched NXT don't know who Ilya is, don't know that storyline whatsoever, but also we're in the world of social media and Google, people are going to see that soon enough as well, so if you're going to do it do it a different way, I do think that is an issue they're getting with Gunter a little bit in terms of who's going to beat him a bit similar to Roman Reigns, he's so strong now, it's going to have to be something huge to beat him um so, I, off the top of my head, I, I don't have a huge amount of people who I could see going over in terms of and beating Gundep for the title. The other one I have in mind that could work, if it was built right, and looks as if it may happen just in terms of that person being on Raw, is Braun Breaker. I was really, really surprised he didn't get called up in the draft. It looks like they did want to do a bit more with the Carmelo feud, so... I don't mind that their match at NXT was really good. But there's nothing left in NXT for Bron Breaker to do. I, I He should have been called up in the draft. But whatever. It looks like he's probably coming up now. It it does make the draft itself seem a, a bit pointless. Adding the NXT stars in. If you're just going to call them up whenever you want. But that's a conversation for another day. I can see Bron Breaker beating Gunther though. But he has to be built right. And he has to be called up pretty soon. Especially if the plan is for... Him, For them to do it at SummerSlam. I think what they should do is do it at Survivor Series instead. You then have enough time from Survivor Series to Mania to build Gunter up to a world title match. Because, just putting it out there, I believe he should have a world title match at WrestleMania. Whether it be against Roman, Seth or Cody Rhodes. I think it should be Cody Rhodes. He needs to be main event guy by WrestleMania. They, they can't keep him in the Continental Champion forever. Bron Breaker is a legitimate opponent for Gunter. He, he looks incredible. He's big. He's strong. He's so athletic. He's fast. The spear that he hit Carmella with, the two spears he hit Carmella with were ridiculous. He can do it, especially if they give him... Someone to tag with or partner up with to kind of help with the numbers game that Imperium will will have. What that does is it gives Gunter someone legitimate to lose to, and it also really really makes Braun Breaker because when he comes to the main roster, like I say, there's gonna be a big portion of the wrestling fans who watch Raw who don't know who he is. So spend pretty much from when he gets called up all the way through the Survivor Series, making him look like a beast putting on good matches. They've got a big enough talent pool of wrestlers to make him look great, to make him look strong. Dolph Ziggler specifically, I'm looking at you because that's kind of where you are these days. And obviously we've done that match before at NXT and it was great. So I think that's where they need to go. Um, Braun Breaker or Ilya, either of those I can see beating Gunda. I do believe Braun makes more sense. The problem with Ilya doing it again is it then makes him look like he's got Gunda's number a bit too much. But again, they they can sell it, they can make it work. Either would be good. I'm not sure who else on the main roster at the moment is ready to beat Gunter. But Braun especially, it's just like they would just be strapping a rocket to his back, being like, wow, look at this guy, he's a Steiner. And now he's just been arguably the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. He's in my top four. He's not my greatest IC Champion, but he's definitely up there. He's so good, Gunter. Again, I I could do a whole podcast on how much I love Gunter slash Walter and his whole career. But I'm, I'm going to stop at it there. But I, I do feel that that's the only kind of options at the moment for Gunter. But by all means, show me up on TikTok or Twitter if you've got any other suggestions for who we think should beat Gunter. What I like, again, though, is that it's kind of... I'm in the unknown with Gunda's storyline as to where they're going with it. And that's not a bad thing either. Right. So... I'm going to steer away from WWE for a little bit and we're going to talk about AEW. I'm going to talk about some positives and I'm going to talk about some negatives. And I'm actually going to start with a negative and that is Jeff Hardy. <sighs> I I love Jeff Hardy. I grew up watching Jeff Hardy matches. He was always the more interesting of the brothers. Um, he can wrestle. He can put on a show. His promos were never great, but they never needed to be. His match with Undertaker, the ladder match, was tremendous. But then he gets fired and he's gone. Then he comes back. He wins the world title. He's just... He can't help himself. And I think Matt Hardy is an enabler too. But getting away from all of that, I love Jeff Hardy. I'm just going to start this rant by saying that I love Jeff Hardy. He's been in some of my favorite matches of all time. He was one of my favourite wrestlers growing up. I could go back and watch a bunch of Jeff Hardy matches now and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy them because that guy knows how to wrestle. And he also knew how to connect with his audience and with the crowd. Love that guy. Okay, that's the good bit. Done. I hate every single second of his run in AEW. I think it was a mistake him leaving WWE Some people who just want to see Jeff Hardy kill himself and want to see him jump off all the ladders possible will say, no, he's much happier now, he's much happier. I bet he's not. I really bet he's not. The talk of his time at WWE was they were setting him up to go against Roman Reigns, which, look, I get it. He wasn't going to beat Roman Reigns. What he was going to do was get a main card run against the greatest world champion in the last, what, 30 years? That was going to make him look great. It was also going to protect him and stop him from doing all the stupid shit he's been doing since he went to AEW. Because that guy's body must be fucking broken. After Mick Foley, who has put their body through more in the ring than Jeff Hardy? Not many people I can think of. Sure, he's not took nearly the amount of chair shots and thumbtacks and shit Mick Foley did. But God, he's fell off a lot of ladders. He's been throwing off a lot of big things. His body is a wreck. He moves not nearly like he used to which is fine he's getting old. I, I don't really care about that to be honest but he could have went against roman nice little main card run make some decent money and then go in the hall of fame because they talked about that as well there's talk of him getting a, a, a roman reigns run and a, a hall of fame placement it would have been beautiful it would have been perfect and one thing wwe do really really well is they will protect their athletes in terms of hiding their weaknesses and really showing their strengths. They do that with quite a few wrestlers, which I'll talk about on another episode. But And, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't think WWE protect their wrestlers because they really care about them because they love them. I think they just don't want to get sued and would rather that their wrestlers were able to wrestle 300 days a year. AEW have this real problem of just letting their wrestlers do what they want. They don't have someone in there who can rein a wrestler in and go, actually, why not do this instead? Or this doesn't really make any sense. Jeff had been on AW for like a couple of weeks and they had him jumping off fucking buildings and stuff. It's ridiculous. Like, I get he still wants to do that. And once in a while, maybe a couple of pay-per-views here, get him flying off a ladder so he still get that swan turn, he get that shot and he still gets the buzz. But he can't do it week in, week out. And then... At double or nothing, he has this botch on the top rope. I know some people, like Matt Hardy, were saying it was totally planned. Of course they're going to say that. They're trying to protect him. Matt's trying to protect his brother because the spot was embarrassing. And it's unfortunately not the first time that it's happened. And my real issue with Jeff Hardy going to AEW is... There's nothing he can do in AEW that's going to improve his legacy. There's nothing. There's not a single thing he can do in that ring now where I'm going to think, wow, that's really added to Jeff Hardy's legacy. I thought he'd done it all, but he's done this now. It just doesn't exist. All he can do in AW is damage his legacy. That's all there is. There's there's no positives. I really wish there was. I wish I could say, yeah, well, he could do this, this, and this. But it's been proven in this run he can't. He also, and I'm just going to mention this as well, clearly has a, a strong addiction problem that he's never recovered from. and He got his DUI again, and Again, I, I started the segment by saying that I love Jeff Hardy, and I do, but fuck that guy for the amount of times he drink drives. If you want to, like, I, I can't excuse it. I, I can't just go, yeah, but he's a great wrestler, though, and he gave me loads of great childhood memories, because as true as that is, He's going to kill someone. And then you know what? He's not my childhood hero anymore. He's that shithead who got drunk and drove a car. I don't respect anyone who drink drives. I especially don't respect anyone who does it on numerous, numerous occasions. He needs help and he needs better people around him. And clearly the people in AEW aren't the ones for him. There's too many yes men there who are just going to go, you're Jeff Hardy, you're a legend, you're great, you should do whatever you want. And that's not true. He said in multiple interviews when he was at WWE, he wasn't really an ideas guy. He didn't come up with a lot of stuff. He clearly doesn't have the mind for the business on that side of things. Again, I'm not taking away from his ability as a wrestler. He's unbelievable. He's he's one of the best. He's in my probably top 15 of all time. And I've watched wrestling for a long time. So that's top 15 doesn't sound great. That's a pretty good spot to be in still. But he's just damaging his legacy I don't want to see it anymore. I, I wish he would retire. And I hate saying that. I, I don't want to stop anyone from making a living. I just don't know what he can do that's going to improve his legacy. And him being with Matt Hardy as the Hardy Boys, that nostalgia's done. It's gone like we've done it. That kind of ended when they came back at WrestleMania and they won the world titles, had their little run, dropped the titles. It was great. I loved it. They could still go there. Matt Hardy got his little WrestleMania moment again as well. He's had a couple. Obviously, he beat Jeff at Mania. Back in the day as well. But yeah, I just, I love Jeff Hardy, and that's, I suppose, why I'm being so harsh here. It's not going to improve anything. It's not making anything better. It's just continuing this long stream of just mediocre matches, him looking old in the ring. The only way his career can really keep on going is if he's able to change his wrestling style. Now, I know they wrestle completely different and it's not the same. He needs to look at Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you look at Austin in WCW and as the ringmaster and kind of the first incarnations of Stone Cold, he was a ring technician. He moved great. He then broke his neck. Well, he didn't, but he came pretty close to breaking his neck against Owen Hart. And he couldn't move the same way he could move prior. He was a worse wrestler when he came back from that, but he was far, far bigger. He was able to just become a brawler, change his style up, protect himself... And he became the biggest strong wrestler of all time. I mean, it's him, Hogan, or The Rock in terms of which way you want to go. But I'm pretty sure Austin made the most money. He did that with a limited style because he understood he couldn't do that anymore. The problem with Jeff Hardy is he feels he can still go how he did when he was 25. And he just can't. It's not there anymore. If he's going to continue wrestling, he needs to change his style a little bit. I'm not saying take everything out, but he needs to pull it back. And he's currently not doing that. Now, going on the talk of his DUI, that kind of brings me on to my next point. I don't know if anyone's watched it, but did anybody watch Dark Side of the Ring during the week? So this was the start of Series 4, and it was all about Chris Candido and Sonny. I'm not going to do a full review of the entire show. I I thought it was great. I I love Dark Side of the Ring. There's not been any episodes I've not enjoyed. There's, There's certainly been better episodes and worse episodes. But the episode itself was was really good. I I like the fact that they got to shine a light on Chris Candido, because that guy was really, really good. He was always at the time a little too small for WWE, so he was never gonna be like the top, top guy there. But what Jim Cornette said on the podcast on the podcast, on Dark Side of the Ring was completely true, and that was that if Chris Candido came around now, he'd be one of the biggest wrestlers in the business. I, I truly do believe that as well. I, I think whether it would be WWE or AEW, he'd be one of the top guys. He could wrestle his ass off. He could wrestle anyone. His style was tremendous. His finisher was fucking ludicrous. Like that powerbomb off the top rope, I absolutely loved. So that side of Dark Side of the Ring, I really liked. And I like the fact that, that was kind of the main portion of the show. And then Sonny was kind of the second part because i'm just gonna put it out there sunny in the 90s was unbelievably attractive she was one of my first loves as a as a young man growing up so attractive that's where it ends with her fuck that woman i think she is a terrible terrible human being i think it came across in the episode that she was a pretty bad influence on chris candido and don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here saying Chris Candido was perfect. I think they were just a bit toxic with each other. But man, that woman is, even to this day, so arrogant, so full of herself. Thinks she was the best thing that ever ever existed in wrestling, which she wasn't. She was a good manager in the 90s. She really was. Um, she killed a guy. Like, fuck this woman. Like, I, I can't sit here and defend her. She's been done multiple times for drunk driving and other offences. And then she killed some poor old man who's just, what, sitting at some lights? Like, you, you can't excuse this. And every bit of interview they had of her, she's still so arrogant. She still kind of jokes on about it, whatnot. Like, this is going to be the harshest thing I've said on the podcast. It's a shame that she's still alive and Chris Candido died. It should have been the other way around. Chris Candido had cha- turned his life around. He was getting back on to the straight and narrow. I'm not saying he was going to have the, the best career in the world after, but he was going the right way what the fuck has she brought to anything apart from shagging a bunch of wrestlers taking a bunch of drugs and killing a guy she's brought nothing to the business long term if she never existed wrestling would still be just as strong as it is today would take nothing away she's just what what's her claim to fame was 2000 uh, 1997 ol's most downloaded female or most downloaded star great that's that's cool that's it though and since then it's been nothing but just toxic bullshit from her Obviously, she's done porn, which, again, I don't really care about. Do whatever you want in your life. But also, if you're planning on watching that porno, do not expect to see the Sony from the 90s, because, whew, that was a, a rough watch. Not not that I've watched it, obviously. Just a quick sip of coffee to get away from that subject. But, yeah, watch, watch Dark Side of the Ring if you've not watched it. The episode was great. Um, I'm really excited for the next three episodes. They've got a, got a good lineup. Um It'll be interesting to see what happens um, in terms of long term with Darkseid, whether they get another series because Vice, who create the show for them, have went bankrupt. So hopefully it gets picked up elsewhere. We do get a series five because there's always stories to be told. I think there's a few they've still kind of veered away from. The big one for me is they've not really spoke about... I know they go through it in the Benoit documentary, but Eddie Guerrero I think is a brilliant one. His whole career was, well, dark, you know? It was like there's so many ups and downs, the drug abuse, the ups, the downs. He gets falls asleep in the shower, gets fired, comes back, wins the world title, beats Brock Lesnar, beats Kurt Angle at Mania, gets to do a whole programme with Rey Mysterio, everything's going well, and then he's dead, all down to his drug abuse and things. It's It's an awful story, but it's also a wonderful story. I would love to see a dark side production of that. And there's a few others as well. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see from there, kind of where they get to. But yes, by all means, I, I, I would strongly suggest you give it a watch if you haven't watched it already. So, two to go. I have one more AEW thing to talk about and then more of a question for you guys. I, I want your feedback. I've, I've already threw it out on TikTok. If you haven't already, I'm going to give you mine as well. But first, I want to talk about AEW Collision, which I've, I've spoken about previously. When it was first announced, I thought it was crazy, but the more I see of it, the more I like it. The more I think, you know what Tony's doing a really good job here, which I've not always been able to say. He's I'm a hundred percent tuning into the first episode of Collision, unless they do something drastically stupid between now and then. I'm excuse the the point, but I am all in when it comes to Collision. I, I like the way that they are marketing it. I like the WCW logo throwback. I know that bischoff has complained about it but that's kind of his shtick these days i like the fact that they've already announced cm punk's going to be on the show i like the fact that it looks like people like andrade are going to be on the show and they're going to push some of the guys who they have on the roster who've just done nothing recently miro as well i'm assuming is going to get a bit of a push on there as well the good thing aw have is they have this ginormous roster Like, I don't know whose roster's bigger, WWE or AEW, but it's got to be pretty close. AEW sign people all the time, so I'm really excited for it. I'm hoping they do a good job of it. It's already, bearing in mind it's not even getting on the TV yet, it's already better than Rampage. Like, Rampage is just a dog shit show. They did a terrible job of promoting it. They've done nothing since to make me want to watch it. I've maybe watched 20 minutes of Rampage since it debuted. It's garbage dynamite i think has been very up and down sometimes i love it i thought this week's was pretty strong i I enjoyed it i'm not going to review it but i I quite enjoyed it um collision has the chance to be a a real good show and hopefully a slight alternative to what they're already offering because if it's just going to be the exact same to dynamite and rampage kind of what's the point if you're going to put that many shows on you might as well have some alternative feel to it i'm not saying it needs to be a completely different show It's obviously an AEW product. They need to keep a hold of that core concept. But they can mix it up a little bit as well. So I'm really excited to see that. The big news coming out of that is, like I say, CM Punk is on the show with Ace Steel as well. Which I think was probably a bigger surprise than Punk coming back. Everyone kind of thought Ace was definitely gone. But even bigger than that, they're giving them an element of creative control. Now, I'm in two minds with this as to whether I think this is a good idea on Tony's part or not I, I think it's probably the only way they got Punk to agree to come back at the same time does that guy need more control he's shown in pretty much every organisation he's worked in that if he doesn't get his own way he will really, really we'll go with cause a stink he'll kick off a lot so from that side of things I, I, I get why they're giving him a modicum of control how much control it is we'll, we'll probably never really know he, I've really enjoyed big portions of his AW run. His whole feud with MJF, I thought was great. His biggest issue has been not being able to stay fit. So it will be interesting to see what he does there and who he chooses. He's going to wrestle. I do think they need to keep the world title away from him. He's had two chances. They were both terrible runs. They both lasted like what nine days, accumulate whatever it was. Keep him away from that. He's a big enough star. He doesn't need the title. It, it doesn't really benefit him whatsoever. So keep that away from him. Just keep him in interesting feuds. I do think they're going to keep him as a babyface as well. I there is a way they can try and get him to go as a heel and build on the back of him versus the elite. And there is a, a portion of the AW fan base love Kenny Omega and love the Young Bucks and will just do whatever those guys say and will go wherever they want to go. That is not a big enough thing. I think there's going to be too big a portion of the crowd who just want to cheer CM Punk. Just like with Edge and Judgment Day, when he went heel, people just want to cheer him. They're just happy that he's there. They appreciate that he's not going to be around forever. He's on the back nine of his career, same as CM Punk, so they just want to cheer him. So I think keep him as a baby face. They've got enough heels in there. Again, Andrade is a good one. I would like to see CM Punk versus Andrade. Give Andrade the chance to really have some fun and Make him look good. Like, Andrade's run in AEW has been awful. It's been one of the worst from a WWE guy, in quotes, that AEW have had. Like, the guy's got all the talent in the world. His run is garbage. I can't think of any part of it that was interesting or good. So that that could be fun. Like, Miro as well. Like, turn Miro into the biggest monster heel that you've got. Bring him out, smash CM Punk, and have that whole feud as well. I'm all for that. Miro's another one who's had some decent booking in AEW, but some horrendous booking, and then he's off the show, he's back on, he's playing video games, he's then some savage smashing everyone up. Like, they need to m- make their mind up as to where he's going with that as well. But yeah, I- I'm not I'm not trying to be negative on AEW, especially not Collision, which I'm all for. I'm just saying of ideas of what they could do with CM Punk. A Steel being in the back as well, I, I don't mind. I think he's someone who brings a little bit of... Calm and happiness to CM Punk as well. And again, if that's what you've got to do to get one of your big stars on the show, then I don't mind it. At the same time, Tony Khan needs to make sure he's not just becoming a bit of a doormat for Punk as well, which I'm sure he's not going to be. I don't think Tony Khan's a stupid guy. So sure, give him some control, just don't give him too much control. Because the worry is, I don't think it'll happen. Is you give him too much creative control, and he becomes Chris Jericho. And that's not what we want. I'm not even going to rant on about Chris Jericho today. I, I was going to, but after ranting about Jeff Hardy, I'm not going to rant about Chris Jericho today. I'll do that on another day. But yeah, all four collision. I'm I'm surprised A Steel is back with CM Punk. I'm also a bit surprised they're going to give them creative control as well. So we'll see what happens. The good thing about this is from an AEW standpoint, if it's shit, if CM Punk's runs terrible here, they could fall back on Well, we gave punk control and this were all his decisions and it kind of gets them away from it so from that standpoint it actually probably makes a bit of sense so we shall wait and see but i will certainly be tuning in they're doing a really good job and for that i am excited for now one more thing to go now i was doing a thing on tiktok this week and we were talking about the mount rushmore of the attitude era which is always a fun little subject. I like these Mount Rushmore. I don't think you can just do a Mount Rushmore of wrestling and total. It's just, wrestling's too big. There's been too many stars. It's so subjective. You, you can never get a definitive top four. But when you break it down to a specific time period, I actually quite like that idea. So for my top four within the Attitude Era, I went with The Rock and Austin. That's got to be everyone's two. If you're doing a Mount Rushmore of the Attitude Era and you don't have those two guys in, then you don't know what you do doing. You didn't watch the Attitude... Like, they, those two guys are the Attitude Era. Two of the biggest stars of all time, they have to be. My other two, I hummed in hard about with four different wrestlers, but I went with Vince McMahon, who, upon reflection, has to be in the list as well. I I don't think you do the Attitude Era the same justice without Vince McMahon. I'm sure it will still would have been great, but it was so much better with him. His feuds with Stone Cold and with The Rock as well were tremendous and at number four i went with mankind i fe- felt that it was between him the undertaker and kane if you want to talk overall careers i can certainly see an argument for undertaker or kane having better overall careers than mankind potentially but when it comes to the attitude era specifically i felt that mankind was a bit more prevalent if you look at the cell match with the undertaker people are only talking about mankind in that match like in all fairness the Undertaker, that guy could have been anyone in that match. It was all about Mankind. And again, I'm certainly not slagging off Undertaker. He's my number one wrestler of all time. In terms of wrestling career, I think he's had the best career of any wrestler ever. We're talking just strictly this time period. You also need to look at Mankind winning the world title and WCW announcing it, slagging it off. Tony Siobhan you're going, oh yeah, that's going to put butts in seats. And that was kind of the start of the real downfall of WCW because you could see people leaving the show to tune in to see Mick Foley hold the world title. So that's got to be talked about. You've then got, I know it's not just Mankind, but Mick Foley being in the Royal Rumble three times as Mankind, Cactus Jack, and Dude Love. I just feel he edged it. But again, we I've had a lot of fun chat on TikTok about that. By all means, jump on there on the Twitter. Let me know what you think. But what I want to talk about is and this kind of stemmed from that conversation, the Mount Rushmore of Attitude Era tag teams. So we could put four tag teams on the list. I think three automatically go in there, a bit like The Rock and Austin automatically go in for the just overall Mount Rushmore. I feel that the three bankers when it comes to the Mount Rushmore of tag teams during the Attitude Era have to be the Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian, and the Dudley Boys. If you look at Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys, seven matches I think I believe they had. They were all tremendous, the latter match at the end for the money plus Terry Runnels. And then obviously we get into TLC. Those matches changed wrestling. They just did. They changed tag team wrestling, but they changed wrestling in its entirety. They are legendary. You can go back and watch them now and they're still great. Fuck, I might go and watch one today because God, they are some good matches and the reason those three ma- those TLC matches are so good, is because of those three teams. If those matches, if you take the Dudley Boys out and it's just Edge and Christian and the Hardys, the match will still be great, but it's not as good. If you put the Dudleys in and take out the Hardy Boys again, the match will be great, but not as good. All of the matches building up, we had tables matches, ladders, matches, just everything about it. I absolutely loved. Those three teams have to go in. I feel there was a few options for number four. So I'm going to do my two honorary mentions first. That is the APA slash the Acolytes. I feel that Bradshaw and Farouk are a very, very underrated tag team. When you look at that time period, they were kind of the smashers when it came to a wrestling team. They were just going to smash people. They were big. They were strong. You had Farouk just throwing people around. He has the best spine buster maybe in history. And then, bradshaw just clothes lining people's heads off absolutely loved it the other one in contention was the rock and sock connection who were great over super popular their run wasn't crazy long though so that's why they didn't make my list for me the fourth team has to be the new age outlaws i believe they are criminally underrated when it comes to their ability as a tag team their tag team run is so good they have so many good feuds with legion of doom with mankind and terry Funk, just just so many like those two guys just understood tag team wrestling they then obviously joined dx go into the whole dx run i think that's sometimes why they get forgotten about because some people just see them as just as dx which i get as well don't get me wrong that's a a good faction to be remembered for but i think they need to be the, the fourth team in there but yeah let me know what you guys think who would be your top four singles wrestlers for the attitude era and your top four tag teams for the attitude era as well anyway i reckon i have talked to you long enough today i think this is the longest podcast so far so please don't forget to subscribe follow me on twitter follow me on tiktok as well more interaction i get from you guys the more fun we'll have with this so yeah by all means Shoot me some messages, give me some questions, and I shall catch you all next week. This has been The Wrestler's Court. My name is Joe Taylor.